latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz, and on this edition of our show, I'll be joined by Gonzaga head coach Mark Few and Tennessee's Grant Williams. All right, so the top 16 was revealed by the Men's Basketball Selection Committee. That happened on Saturday. Of course, results occurred just uh, within the hour after, and so, of course, there were a lot of changes that occurred right after that, but... Uh, they were pretty accurate, and I'm not just saying this because this is an NCAA-related podcast. Uh, the big concern, I think, from people in the Big East was, you know, why was Villanova not in there but Marquette was? The thing that we have to keep hammering home to everyone as you get ready for the bracket time is seedings are different than rankings. And Villanova lost to Ver- Furman and Penn in the non-conference. Marquette had good wins in the non-conference, notably K-State and Buffalo. Uh, and Wisconsin, and that's why they were ahead of them. And then they beat them. But you can't just say, oh, they were were right after the fact. They were right before. So the top 16, Duke, Tennessee, Virginia, Gonzaga, those are four ones. Kentucky, Michigan, North Carolina, Michigan State, those are twos. Threes, Purdue, Kansas, Houston, Marquette, threes. Iowa State, Nevada, Louisville, Wisconsin, fours. Of the teams in the four group where you could say, okay, will they hold their position? Uh, Nevada's going to hold their position. Iowa State, Louisville, and Wisconsin, maybe there'll be some fluctuation there. A year ago, Oklahoma was in the top 16, did not make it uh, in the top 16 when the bracket was out. Gonzaga, I don't think they're going to lose their number one seed. They just absolutely obliterated the competition. We'll talk to Mark Few about that. They just crushed St. Mary's. I don't think they're going anywhere. Kentucky certainly can go up to that one line. We'll see if Virginia holds. Now they lost two games, but both to Duke. Does Kentucky beat Tennessee twice? Do they beat them three times uh, in the SEC tournament? We'll have to wait and see. Kentucky's got a big week, by the way. They play LSU and Tennessee at home this week. Um, Tennessee plays South Carolina, and then at Kentucky, we'll talk to Grant Williams about that. K-State, could they get into the top 16? Sure, they're they're alone in first place in the Big 12 right now. Kansas is there because they're non-conference overall. On this list, they knocked off Tennessee, their only loss. Michigan State, those are both neutrals. And they also, so those are the two neutrals, excuse me. They also had a win over Marquette. That was the other one, excuse me. So Marquette, Michigan State, and Tennessee. And they beat Villanova too, by the way, which is probably on the cusp. Uh, In terms of the Power 36 and the AP poll, biggest difference, I think, when I look at the comparison is K-State, I have at 14 they're at 18. I mean, that's a moderate difference. You know, we're all pretty high on Michigan, Purdue, Houston, North Carolina. You know, I still am good on Washington, even though they split the road trip to Arizona's. To the Arizona's, they do not crack the top 25 in the AP poll. After that, I'm telling you, it gets pretty hard to, to sort of deal with these teams because they're so flawed, so many of them. And that's going to be the harder thing for the selection committee is that back part of the bracket. Major injury news that we're going to talk to Mark Few about, Killian Tilly, out again. He was out earlier in the season, came back. They were 9-0 with him. They just lost, they just beat St. Mary's without him. He may come back for the postseason. Uh, so I discussed that on NCAA.com in March Madness, the effects of not having Tilly for Gonzaga, Langford for Michigan State. So um, you can read that on our March Madness accounts and NCAA.com. So we are getting closer and closer to the bracket time. We're getting there. We're getting there. We've got about, what, four more Mondays um, before Champ Week. And then, uh, because today's February 11th when we're taping, 
So yeah, we're getting really close to it. But I want you to get to my interview with Mark Few and then Grant Williams. Uh, the Zags back on that one line and Tennessee, huge week as they are the number one team in the country. Now joining me here on March Madness 365, Gonzaga head coach Mark Few. Uh, the Zags are back up at this point in the season on the one line, according to the Men's Basketball Tournament Selection Committee and their top 16 reveal. And in the latest net rankings that were released on Monday, Gonzaga, not Duke, is number one with a quad one record of three and two, a quad net top 50 record or current net top 50 record of three and two as well, which of course includes a win over Duke. I know you don't put a ton of stock in this stuff now, but what does it tell you if the Zags are being looked at as a one seed and number one in the ranking? I mean, hey, it, it tells us that we have taken care of business as as good as probably you could possibly uh, hope for in lieu of who we played and, and where we played them and when we played them and, and all of that. And, and uh, you know, again, it's, it. I don't know or – think you know at this point compared to maybe other records we are or should be number one in that or or whatever but uh you know we definitely should be up there this is a, a really 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 good basketball team we've been remarkably consistent uh this entire year um we really haven't you know knock on wood here we haven't we haven't landed anywhere really not shown up or or played really poorly and in a bunch of areas uh, of the game. And so, uh, you know, I, th- I think that's showing this is kind of a reflection of the consistency over, you know, these first three months of the season. I'll tell you what it shows more than anything is that the body of the work matters because even though the WCC is better than it's been, um, you don't have the quad one opportunities that other schools do, like a Duke and Virginia or a Michigan and Michigan State or even a Tennessee with in Kentucky. And yet... You're being treated as if sort of you do because the body of work indicates that you are one worthy uh, regardless, um, which you was consistently talked about the importance of November, December as much as January and February. But what does that tell you about what you guys have done overall to put yourselves in this position? Well, as you know, we have been with you know, number one seeding in mind for the last probably 12, 13 years uh, up here. And so we take uh, the message that uh, the chair of the committee uh, gives after they announce the brackets every year. And I intently listen to that and, and see uh, what they say and, and how they looked at things and why they, they did what they did. And then we take that to heart and, and make sure we go out and try to, schedule that now that being said uh, sometimes it just doesn't fall uh you know your way i mean we you know we're we're in maui and and you know thought you know gosh with the way that field was you, you thought you were playing nothing but quad ones uh out there but you know in retrospect now and, and probably but the strange thing is probably at the time that you know a lot of teams were playing like quad ones and that's what's so hard to to judge uh, but, you know, season, you know, things pile up on you as the season progresses and, and it can kind of beat you up mentally and beat you up physically. And lo and behold, I think Duke's the only quad one uh, we got out of that one. So 
Um, look, we've, we've played good teams. We've been right there. Obviously, the Duke win resonates uh, strongly because uh, they're just a terrific, terrific team. And then I think people watched the Tennessee game and saw that that was a an epic battle of teams going back and forth. And we were in definite position to win that. But they just, you know, made a, a couple big plays. And, and uh, uh, so, but I think the key with, you know, announcing these, these numbers early is there's still – you know, a good four weeks left, uh, four to five weeks until they, you know, the selection committee meets again and, and makes the real uh, choices. So these are these are fun to talk about and and, and good to analyze, but uh, there's still tons of uh, work left. So once again, I mean, it's just so uh, heartbreaking for Killian because he's injured again, third time in less than a year. You guys were 13-2 and two without him. Nine and zero with him, and then you blow out St. Mary's without him. So you're fourteen and two now without him. First off, what's his status about whether or not he potentially could come back for the postseason? Well, I think you know there's a chance that he can come back. It's just going to be, you know, how this thing heals, how it responds to uh, treatment. I think uh, you and I have shared some stories with all your triathlons and me just kind of recreating and playing with plantar fasciitis is no fun. And his is more that he actually tore part of that, uh, uh, ligament down there. And so, but not, he didn't tear it completely. So, you know, what if it heals and we can get it back, I mean, by the time, you know, the NCAA tournament is rolling, that's certainly a distinct uh, possibility. So that's kind of what we're hoping and planning for and praying for. And, and, uh, it, it, but back to your original point, yeah, it's just just a heartbreaking uh, scenario here. He's he's worked so hard. He's such a good player, man. Is Killian a good basketball player? And and uh, uh, he's just had just the trials of Job here, you know, just the, kind of piling up on him with. And they've all been non-contact, uh, just kind of bizarre uh, injuries that uh, just when he was kind of moving around. So. Uh, We'll see. He, you know, even though maybe the numbers were weren't what they were last year with Killian, the thing you got to understand is you can't you can't really justify him by numbers. His feel for the game and how how we flow when he's out there. He's bouncy like Brandon Clark. He can get up and alter shots on the defensive end. He can do some things uh, with him defensively because he's just so uh, basketball smart. So we need that as much as uh, anything. Now, without him, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't uh, Philip Petrosev get more minutes, uh, yep. Jeremy Jones, yep. or Kispert in some form? How, how will that all shake out rotation-wise with those three? You know, uh, we had to throw Philip in, and, and there were times where he functioned, you know, very positively. You think of the Duke game. Uh, but he, to be honest with you, he wasn't ready for all that extended run we gave him early. And, and – uh, since that point, we've been pushing him and prodding him and and uh, and working him hard, you know, mentally probably more than physically, just to get him ready to compete at at, at this level and at a high level. And I think what people are going to see is he's made a jump during this this time that you know his minutes got cut when when Killian came back. And uh, I, I think now he's got a way 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 better understanding of 
you know, how you got to bring it and how you have to compete uh, just for loose balls and, and post position and, and ball screen defense and rim protection. And he's not there yet, but he's in a, he's in a, he's much farther along than he was earlier in the season. So he's going to get a bulk of the minutes. Jeremy Jones has been just, just a jack of all trades and, and, and really came in and saved some games uh, uh, for us. Uh, so obviously we'll continue to use him uh, there. And then in a pinch, we can even play Corey and just go smaller. So, we know what you have in Rui Hachimura, Zach Norville, Josh Perkins. Phenomenal players are going to give you their max. What we didn't know, at least those of us on the outside, um, although, you know, we heard from you, Tommy Lloyd, and your assistant, that Brandon Clark was going to be the real deal, but yet to see it, uh, I mean, his numbers are ridiculous. And, yeah. you know, obviously he improved greatly as a red shirt. But um, now, truth serum here, I mean, how much real impact – did you really think that he was going to have? I mean, look, it, when you have him in practice uh, every day like we did last year, I mean, th- there were times where in practice I would take him off uh, Jonathan Williams, uh, you know, just because I'm like, look, we're not going to face anything like Brandon blocking all these shots. There's just nobody like him. So it's not fair for, for J3 to have to, to face this and so I'd pull him off and, and he, he was, he was pretty special last year in practice uh, too. And, and the cool thing about it was he was just so coachable and you could see him getting better every week and understand and, you know, kind of improving his feel for the game. And, and, and we were trying to direct kind of his impact on, on the game at both. Uh, uh, and so, look, I, I, I knew he was going to be really good. I knew he was, definitely going to be all the league uh good i couldn't tell you that i saw you know number one field goal percentage in the country and shattering our blocks record here at gonzaga with still you know, a month left or six weeks left in the season or whatever's left and, and uh he's been phenomenal andy i mean just just phenomenal and still and still improving well mark you guys are uh just cruising along the the win over st mary's was absolutely um, you know, you just absolutely obliterated them. Uh, and, and, and I think there's a, you know, that's great. You know, obviously for us, we felt great about it, but I think there's a danger for everybody just assuming that, Oh God, that's what Gonzaga does in the WCC all the time. And look, look, this league is a lot better. And, you know, you didn't look no farther than those, those net rankings or even Ken Palm's rankings. And you got, you know, we had San Francisco and St. Mary's in here, and those guys are both in the 40s in those rankings. And we're far along in the season now, so the rankings get you know more and more accurate. And so to do that to those caliber of teams is 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 pretty amazing. But also, I don't want it to lessen the fact that this league is vastly improved with uh, you know putting themselves in position through with postseason resumes and and. Uh, you know, I think us winning by that margin sometimes kind of hurts that narrative a little bit, but people need to dive deeper into it. Thanks, Mark. You got it, Andy. And I'm next here on March Madness 365, my conversation with Tennessee's Grant Williams. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Tennessee's Grant Williams, last year's SEC Player of the Year. He's got a chance to win it again. Certainly a first-team All-American and contender for National Player of the Year. 
Tennessee, 10-0 as we tape, 22-1 overall. Number one team in the country. Uh, and right now has got a monster week where they're playing South Carolina on Wednesday. And then they're at Kentucky over the weekend. Kentucky plays LSU, by the way, at home before hosting Tennessee. Uh, let's first deal with uh, Grant. Where do you assess where this team is right now at this juncture in the season? Not perfect. We're getting better every day. We have a lot to improve on, but we're doing a good job of consistently getting the job done and winning. Our plan is to improve in the little things every single day because once we get that done, we can play our best basketball when needed. And in February, you're not going to play your best basketball. You shouldn't. But you should be developing and getting better in order to get there. Grant, you guys have not lost since an overtime game against Kansas in the Garden um, that was back in, well, excuse me, in New York. That was back in November, uh, Thanksgiving. Does this group even remember w- what it's like to lose? Um, honestly, we don't really want to think about what it's like to lose because we're just focusing on game by game and uh, improving and doing our job because uh, for us, we just kind of not, we have to find the competitiveness in front of it. When you win so much, you start getting used to it. But the biggest thing for us is just to continue what we're doing, to compete, continue competing, and finding that joy in front of competing is a constant service in that SEC because it's hard to win SEC. And for us to be doing it at a high level, we have to continue to enjoy each other and enjoy the, the game. You know, a year ago, it was you guys in Auburn uh, sharing the title. This year, it's clearly shaping up to be Tennessee versus Kentucky uh, and LSU. I don't want to dismiss LSU, but you've got two games against Kentucky, only uh, one with uh, LSU, and that one's actually coming up uh, the following week. You're going to be on the road in Baton Rouge, and LSU actually plays Kentucky one time. That, that That's this week. You love these kind of moments. Uh, what do you anticipate those two Kentucky games being like, the one at Rupp and then the one you know a few weeks later when it's at uh, Thompson Bowling? It's going to be an exciting environment. You know that Big Blue Nation has tremendous fans. They're going to bring a lot of energy as well as our ball fans. We're going to, it's going to be an exciting uh, event, I would say, because we're two talented teams and two programs who are trying to continue to keep a name and make their names for themselves. So it's going to be a competitive environment, and we're going to have to um, do our job and compete because they have talented players. But first off, we have to get through South Carolina and a monstrous team in them because Chris Silva is – an animal and they can beat you any night just like any team in SEC could so the priority is to they can take it one game at a time and understand that we play a town South Carolina team and then we play Kentucky and we play um, Randy after that so the moments have to just focus on day by day and trust our scatter reports and trust our coaches have to keep us prepared Grant every program is built differently um, you guys are kind of more like Michigan Gonzaga Villanova more experienced guys Fewer one and done, if any. Uh, you know, obviously Duke and Kentucky lean more that way. What are the advantages, though, to the way in which t- Tennessee has been built with reliance so much on upperclassmen? It's great because we have such a chemistry and a brotherhood that we've been around each other so long that we truly care about each other and we truly understand and know each other better than anyone else, I'd say. When you have a team full of guys who are playing one, one and done or – but you can't really have that chemistry like you do with a team that's been there for four years. However, Coach Cal and um, Coach K and those guys do a great job preparing their guys and preparing their players. And they actually have a veteran team. You think about um, P.J. Washington and before Kwane left, he was on the team. And 
some of the veterans and the senior or grad transfer and Reed Travis. So they have players who've been around and developed those relationships. So um, for us, it's just about keeping to, to ourselves and understanding that we have a, a grind that we've been on with each other for the past three years, four years even. And that's the focus that we have. Grant, uh, you know, I don't want you, nor do I think you would, like, sort of promote yourself. So I will just tell you, I think it's you or Zion Williamson. Uh, I know you didn't play Duke, but I know you're a student of the game. Um, when you look at his impact on the court when he's on there, from what you've seen, uh, what impresses you the most? He's a tremendous talent. He's a guy who's got God-given ability when it comes to athleticism, and um, he can do a little bit of it all. He can handle the ball. He can uh, definitely post up and use his athleticism to jump over guys and be physical, and he's a uh, presence on the glass. So I have utmost respect for him because um, he's done so much, and he's attributed that team success so much. You think about him and RJ have been doing a lot for that team, and they have talent on the team, but you think about the production that they've made like you watched him last night, he may not have had the most scoring, or I don't know if it was last night or the day before, but he didn't have the best scoring night. However, he impacted the game in other ways, and that's where I feel like I have respect for him. And if you think about guys like PJ and other guys around, around the country, Ethan Happ and guys who just do do it all for the team, I just um, have tremendous respect for him, and I wish him the best the rest of the, rest of the year. Last thing, Grant, I know you're not going to get caught up in seeding and all that. Um, you got to get through the SEC every game this week. But I'm just curious, after your experience last NCAA tournament, how much do you think seeding matters, especially now with Tennessee as a chance legitimately, obviously, to be a number one, and you are now, and we'll see if it holds? Honestly, we're just focused on the day-by-day because when we start focusing on the overarching and the fact that we're the number one and all the stuff, that's when teams end up falling off the rails and losing. So for us, we're just focusing on all the moments of time we spent with each other. We built this. We've been here for three years. We were here when our first team, well, my first team was uh, 16 and 16. And the year before that, they were 14 and 16. But now we're doing our job consistently and we just have to focus on uh, each game as if it's um, uh, our last. Grant Williams, the reigning SEC Player of the Year, and I think going to win it again. Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. As always, you can find our podcasts wherever you check your podcasts on iTunes. You can go to NCAA.com, March Madness, all our social media handles. You'll find this podcast there as well, sometimes embedded in stories. So there's no excuse. You can get it. You can get our interviews, our discussion. As always, I deeply appreciate everyone listening in some form or fashion. 